Elizabeth Prentice was born in 1818, and even at an early age, she showed a, a very strong gift to be able to write and to compose. She was already published by the time she was 16 years of age. Her dad was a congregational pastor, and she went on to marry a man who was also a congregational pastor. Everything seemed great in Elizabeth Prentice's world. I mean, they had just had a son. He turned five years of age. The church was going great. The family was going great until their son, Eddie, five years of age, he died. And it was devastating to them. Can you only imagine your five-year-old perishing, dying, and just at that tender age? They conceived again, and they had a a girl this time, and uh, her name was Elizabeth also. And so she only lived one month. This was the darkest time in Elizabeth's life. She was the pastor's wife, so she's supposed to have everything together, you know. But she knew deep inside that everything was unraveling and falling apart. It was during this time in the 1850s when she wrote a song that she would be known forever. In perpetuity, she would be known for this one song. But she held on to the lyrics and the, or the words for 13 years. She never showed anybody because it was so intimate. It was so, it was so meaningful to her because she wrote this song right after her children had had died. So finally, she showed her husband. And he said, honey, this is remarkable, and you need to have this published. And so she did. And I don't know, some of you may be familiar with the song. I know many of you are. Many of you may not be. But I want you to hear the lyrics to this, this song that she wrote in 1856 after the passing of her children. The title of the song is More Love to Thee. More Love to You. More love to thee, O Christ, more love to thee. Hear thou the prayer I make on bended knee. This is my earnest plea. More love, O Christ, to thee. More love to thee, more love to thee. Not hatred, not anger at God, not rebellion against God, but God in my brokenness and my shattered life, I want to love you more because Christ You so loved me. And she also wrote these words. I see now that to live for God, whether one is allowed ability to be actively useful or not, is a great thing. And that it is a wonderful mercy to be allowed even to suffer. It is a great mercy to be allowed to suffer if thereby one can glorify God. End of quote. More love to me, to thee, reminds me of our text today, and I invite you to read with me 1 Peter chapter 4, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 12. This is a powerful passage of Scripture, and I'm glad you are sitting down because it is intense. It is a, I almost entitled this sermon, Christianity 401. Now, you remember when you went through college, uh, folks, and university, and you took the 101 entry-level courses... You take your basic math, basic English, and so forth. And then by the time you're about to graduate your senior year, you begin to take advanced level courses, whether it was in chemistry or whether it is within religion or whether it was in whatever your field of study. Well, today, this is Christianity 401. This is not for the faint of heart. This is for those of you 
who want to go deeper in your relationship with Christ. You say, well, why would you preach a sermon like this that is going to challenge me to think and it's going to challenge me uh, in my faith? Why can't you just give me something that is light and fluffy and sweet and kind and I can, feel, I can just feel good about life and the world and I can go on out of here? And, but I want to tell you the reason why I'm going to preach the sermon. Because that's not what life's about. <laughs> life's not about feeling good and everything in, in the world is, is rosy and cheerful. Did you ever notice that life sometimes stinketh? You know what I'm saying? Life sometimes is hard. I think we do a great disservice to new Christians when we tell new Christians, oh man, wow, this is the greatest day of your life and every day is going to be like this day. You'll never have a cloudy day. Every day is going to be rosy and cheerful with God. That's just not true because the Bible says the very fact that you have given your life to Christ means that now life is going to get harder. You say, what? Come again. I thought asking Jesus in my heart, I mean, everything's going to be great. No, you, you have a Savior now, and you're on your way to heaven, but guess what? You also gained an enemy. And you'll have trials and difficulties that you never dreamed when you were not a Christian. But when you embrace Christ, and you begin to walk with God, and then you begin to suffer for your faith, that is not the time to abdicate and abandon your faith. That is the time to go deep in the roots of the nutrients of the Word of God. So that's what I'm going to do with you this morning. Some of you are going, honey, I think I came to the wrong church. I tell you, this is going to be challenging, and this pastor is going to make me think deeply. Wake me up, honey, when he's over. No, I don't want you to sleep. I want you to hear these scriptures and then by God's great grace and His strength, I'm going to try to share with you what God has revealed to me. The Bible says, beloved, agape toy. Agape toy, agape is that root word for the highest, most pristine kind of love ever. It's the kind of love that God gave us when He sent His Son, Jesus. It's the kind of love that you and I should demonstrate to one another within the church, within the body of Christ. Jesus said, by this all men will know you are my disciples because you hate each other and you gripe at each other. No, not at all. All men will know you are my disciples because of your agape for one another. My beloved brethren, stop thinking it strange concerning the fiery trial which is trying you as though some strange thing is happening to you. And in, in the Greek New Testament, this is a present imperative with the strongest negation that you can use. It's literally a present imperative with the, with the negation may, which means stop. I give you the command. Stop thinking the way you're thinking. Stop going, oh, what, what has happened to me? I, I'm a Christian. I'm going to heaven. Why are all these bad things? Peter says stop. It's almost like Peter goes, you know, like, pow, pow, stop. Stop thinking like that. You ought to expect that because once you come to faith in Christ and you begin to walk with God, do you think the devil's going to be happy? <laughs> do you think the devil's going to sit in hell with the demons and go, oh, look at that Christian. They're just winning the world to Jesus. Aren't they just doing a great job, Mr. and Mrs. Demon? No. I mean, they're going to come after you and tempt you and attack you. And Peter says, anticipate that. Don't be surprised by that. Did I tell y'all earlier this was Christianity 401? Did I tell y'all that earlier? Say, so, yeah, okay, just, just making sure. 
instead of thinking it's strange, Peter says, rejoice. <laughs> Woo! Be happy. This is a command from God. Rejoice to the extent that you now, koinonia, you are in fellowship with Christ's sufferings. That when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, makarioi, happy are you, blessed are you, if you are persecuted in the name of Christ, because the spirit of glory and of God now rests upon you. On their part, on the unbelieving world, the jaded world that hates Christ and hates, hates the church, on their part, he says, Jesus is blasphemed. He is cursed, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you now, verse 15 is an interesting verse to me. This is a really a segue moment. This is a transitional moment in the narrative, in the message that Peter's preaching to his people. He says, but let none of you, you, the antecedent for you is the church, the people of God, the true blue believers. Not those who say, I want to get Jesus and I want to go to heaven, but when things get bad, I, I don't want to serve him anymore. No, no, that's not, this is not for you. This is for the true blue who really want to serve God, who really want to get serious in their walk with God. Don't let any of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Don't do those things. Yet if anybody suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. But let him glorify God in this matter. Elizabeth Prentice said, It is okay to suffer. It is okay to be reviled and reproached for the name of Christ if you can get the wherewithal to glorify him and say, More love to thee, O Christ, more love to thee. Verse 17. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, he quotes Proverbs, If the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, and he closes the section out, listen to these words, Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God, excuse me, <laughs> are you telling me sometimes it's God's will that I suffer? Don't get mad at me. Please don't get mad at me. I didn't say that. The Bible said that, okay? It's, it's like Al Mohler on Larry King Live when he was being interviewed by Larry King. And Larry King says, are you telling me that you believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven? What about all the Muslims? And what about all the Buddhists? And, and what about all these other people who don't believe in Jesus? They're, they're not going to go to heaven, Larry King said on CNN. And... And Al Mohler said, whoa, time out. Don't get mad at me. I didn't say this. I didn't create this stuff. That's what Jesus said. And I'm going to go with him who rose from the dead, okay? This is hard sayings. These are difficult truths, especially in Austin, Texas in 2013. Salute, man. This is, this is not easy stuff, okay? Peter says, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit Commit your soul to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. 
I feel the need to pray. <laughs> you would pray too if you were going to preach on this text, all right? Would you join me in prayer? Oh, more love to thee, more love to thee. Christ, this is my earnest plea, that I would give more love to thee, not less love, but I would love you more in the crucible of pain and suffering and divorce and cancer and death. God, please let today be a watershed day, a landmark day in my life where instead of abandoning you and running from you in anger and pain, I would thrust myself upon the mercy of God. I would go deep today, Lord, in my walk with you. It would no longer be a shallow faith inherited from others, but it would be a resonating, pulsating, powerful faith that I possess that will sustain me in the dark nights of my soul. Jesus, I humbly come before you. Lord, I need you. I need you to speak through me, through your awesome word. Thank you for Great Hills Baptist Church. Thank you, Lord, for our church family. And we ask you, God, to deepen our faith. Cause us, Lord, to be deeper in you so that, Lord, we can glorify you and we can lead other people to you. And this is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. There are three things I want you to notice with me in our text today. First of all is the reality of suffering. Uh, Suffering is an integral part, an intrinsic part of the Christian life. And that is why Peter says, don't don't think this a strange phenomenon. Don't think this is some obtruse, different kind of theology that I'm telling you. He says, no, agape toy, stop thinking it strange, but anticipate it. Know that when you give your life to Christ that you're going to encounter difficulty and pain and suffering. Have you ever noticed, church, that the rain comes on the just and the unjust. Have you ever noticed whether you are a Christian or not, you are going to have difficulty in this world. But as a follower of Christ, as I said a moment ago, you get extra difficulty because you are now in combat with the enemy of your soul. And and when you were following him and serving him, you weren't much of a threat to him, but now you are. Now you are. And you're following Christ. You go to Great Hills Baptist Church. And by the way, that demarcates you. That is beginning to clearly identify you. You say, I don't know if I want to be identified with this crazy bunch or not. Well, you're here. And we're a part of the family of God. And our reputation is one of we're going to love God, we're going to love other people, and we're going to love the Scriptures, and we're going to go deep in the Word of God. That makes me excited. Makes me want to take these keys out of my pocket. They're weighing me down. You know what I'm saying? They're weighing me down. Oh, love of Christ. Hey, Miss Prado, how are you doing? Good. Good to see you. All right. All right. Matt Chandler. How many of y'all are familiar with Matt Chandler, the Village Church? Wow, what a powerful young man, preacher of the gospel. A few years ago on a Thanksgiving day, just like any other Thanksgiving day, he was eating turkey, watching football, and having a great time with his family. And all of a sudden, he collapses and falls on the mantle there, the fireplace. It literally falls right in front of the fireplace. Matt Chandler was diagnosed with an aggressive malignant brain tumor. 
In his testimony, he's still alive, by the way. His testimony is, God led me to the Peyton Manning of brain cancer. The best of the best in the world evidently lives in Dallas, Texas, and he's treating Matt Chandler. And Matt Chandler said these words. He said, when it happened, I'm I'm in my 30s, and they look at me and they say, "Uh, sir, you've got brain cancer, and there's a very good chance you're not going to make it out of your 30s. He said, my first response was, you know, I have only known blessings in my life. I have only known the favor of God. And Matt Chandler said these words. He said, I did not say, why me? I said, why not me? Why not me? It reminds me of a a quote I came across. uh, An author by the name of Dr. Dale Turner said these words. In all fairness, if we ask why me in regard to our burdens, we should also ask it in regard to our blessings. We take for granted a hundred perfect days of health, and then we grumble about the one day of aches and pains. Now, I don't know about y'all, but when I read stuff like this, it bothers me. You know, it convicts me because I'm one, I have an ache and a pain. I, my sweet wife, I think I just wear her out sometimes. She just, oh, bless his soul, bless him, bless him. Oh, I hurt. Oh, my back. Oh, this or oh, that. Oh, pitiful, pitiful me. And he says, you know, we drive the freeway hundreds of times without any incident, and then we ask, why me? The one time we have a flat tire or an engine trouble. How often do we say, why me, when it comes to counting our blessings, end of quote. Don't think it's strange that you are now suffering for the cause of Christ. It is an integral part. It's a reality. He says, you're going to experience fiery trials in verse 12. This word fiery literally means to scald or to hurt or to prune. To try you is a present participle. And so are the words happen to you. Really, read these within present tense mode. Read these as if you're going through a trial right now. Bad things are happening to you at this very moment, okay? It is a reality. And then verse 13, he says, you partake of Christ's sufferings. Even as Jesus suffered, you too will suffer. Listen, you always take on the mantle of the one you follow. If you choose to follow Christ, then you're going to live a different life. And as you live a different life, that life is going to be diametrically opposed to the life of most of the people in this world. You're going to love your enemies. You're going to do good to those who hate you. You're going to serve Christ even though all Hades breaks loose in your life. And you're going to choose Christ. And for that, people will laugh at you. They will shame you. They will scorn you. And Peter says, anticipate it. It'll happen. You'll be reproached. Look at verse 14. You'll be reproached. This word means to rail, to chide, to defame and revile. One more example of the reality of suffering is in verse 19 when he says, you will suffer according to the will of God. In God's providential will, he will allow bad things to happen to you. It's part of living in a free world. It's part of Adam and Eve's sin, and sin enters the world. When people look at me and they are angry at God and they abandon their faith and 
and, and they become apostasy. They, they walk away from their faith and they say, how can you keep serving a God when all these bad things are happening in this world? And I, and I remind them, listen, God knows about bad things. God created this world perfect. We sinned against this, against this holy God. Bad things are a happening. And by the way, Jesus knows a little bit about bad things. You know, we don't serve a Savior who is untouched with our infirmities and our weaknesses. No, we serve a God who embraced the pain, the agony, the suffering. He embraced it in his body. He died. He arose from the dead so that you and I, those suffer in this life, will never have to suffer in the next life. No wonder the hymn writer said, Hallelujah, what a Savior. Jerry Vines, a great preacher in First Jacksonville, Brother James, you know that church, you know this man, he said, you know, God gives us a big compliment when he allows us to suffer. Why do people stay, say stuff like that? You know, it just messes me up. You know, I, Yes, God gives you a great compliment. And a big faith requires a big furnace. Let me just do a TV timeout. Are y'all okay? Are, is everybody doing all right? Or is, it, is this too heavy for you? Is it, is it too much for you? You mean to give you a message about the 18 ways to have a happy life? Not. <laughs> can't, can't, can't do that. All right? now, that's not in, it's not in my vocabulary. I, I believe in a happy life. I, live, I believe in a blessed life. I'm a one blessed man, but I also know what reality is. And reality is suffering. So let's look at number two. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, reality of suffering. Number two is response. How do we, how do we respond? Let, let's, get, let's just be real with each other. How, how do you respond? When bad things happen. Are you, like me, first thing you want to ask, why me? Why her? Why them? Elizabeth Prentice, guys, loved the Lord. And she would tell you, and there's actually been a biography written about her. She, she would say, I don't understand this. I, I don't know why my five-year-old and my one-month-old died. I, I, can't, I can't explain that to you, but here's what I do know. I have a choice. Will I be angry at the God who's been so gracious to me? And will I run from him and embrace another philosophy, another ideology, another theology, another deity? Or do I stay with the God who's been so good to me and he's so awesome and he is just asking me to trust him? She said, that's what I choose to do. I choose to trust God even in the suffering. There are three things that Peter teaches us in this text, and we'll go quickly. Number one, he says, rejoice. It's the same Greek construction in Matthew 5.12, the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, where Jesus said these words. But rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted they so persecuted the prophets who were before you. And so Jesus and Peter and now James. James says, my brethren, count it all, somebody help me, joy. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Peter says in verse 13, at this moment you are now partaking of the sufferings of Christ. That, that's an interesting word, partake. It is the Greek word koinonia. It's the same word Paul uses in Philippians 3.10. When he says, I want to know him 
and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death. The word fellowship there is the same word in the Greek that Peter is using that we're translating partake, and it means to participate in. We are now participating in the life of Christ, and so as we participate in His life, we need to anticipate the reactions of participating in such a life of Christ, we will suffer. Now, I want to share a story with you, and I've shared it before, but I'm going to give you the Paul Harvey version. Uh, for some of you younger guys, this is called the rest of the story version of this story. This man's name is, is Bob Goff, G-O-F-F, and he's written a book, and Brandon Heath just recently came out with a great song uh, reflecting the title of this book, and the title of the book is Love Does. That's it. That's just the, that's the title. You say, love does what? Love does this. He said, I just left church. Had a great day at church. I'm riding down the road in my Jeep, and the top is down. I didn't have my seatbelt on, but I'm riding down the road. All right, I'm having a good time. And all of a sudden, shazam, bam. He said, I never saw her coming. She ran the stoplight. She T-boned me. And my Jeep flipped over numerous times, threw me out of the Jeep, and he said, I'm telling you the truth, I landed just like this. <laughs> and he, he, he got his wherewithal, and he, he looked around, he noticed that he was still alive. Can you imagine getting thrown out of your Jeep and watching your Jeep roll over about five or six times? He said, then I saw her, 87 years of age, sitting behind the wheel, shaking violently. And Bob Goff went over to her, and he said, Hi, I'm Bob. What's your name? <laughs> she said, I, 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 I'm Lynn. He said, Lynn, are you okay? She said, I think I'm okay. I guess I forgot to stop. <laughs> he said, young, she said, young man, do you, do you know you went through the roof of your car? He said, I put my hand on her shoulder, and I said, Lynn, I can't lie. That was the coolest thing that has ever happened to me. <laughs> Good night. He said, if they had a ride like that at Disneyland, it'd be a mile wide, a mile long. That's what he said. She said, you know, I don't think I'll ever be allowed to drive again. And I just don't want to be dependent on anybody. A few days later... Bob says, I got a phone call from Lynn. He said, hello, and she said, there's pause, pause. He said, hey, hello, and she said, this is Lynn. I just, just want you to know how sorry I am. She, he said, Lynn, I told you, I, that is not a problem. I forgive you, all is well. A few days later, he gets a phone call. <laughs> pause, hello, hello. I just want you to know, Bob, I am so sorry. I, I'm so sorry I ran that stop sign. I, I almost killed you. I am so he said, now, Lynn, I told you I forgive you all as well. He said, so i got to do something. She's going to keep calling me every few days. He said, I don't want to change my, my phone number, so this is what I'm going to do. <laughs> he ordered a big bouquet of flowers for her, had the flowers delivered to her home with the note in it saying, it's okay Stop calling me. <laughs> Guys, that is love. And that is rejoicing 
in times of sorrow. I, I don't know about you. I probably wouldn't have been that calm. And I know I would not send flowers to somebody that almost killed me, okay? I'm just being real with you. But I want to be like that. Don't you? Wouldn't you like to be at a point in your Christianity and in maturity where you can say, even though it happens to me, I choose joy. George Whitfield, the great preacher in the 18th century, said, Oh, may God put me into one furnace after another, that my soul may be transparent, that I may see God as He really is. So number one, let us rejoice. Number two, let us praise God. Let us, let us glorify God. Let us wear suffering as a badge of honor. He says, first of all, don't be ashamed, present passive imperative. Do not be ashamed or don't allow people to dishonor you because you're suffering as a Christian, but doxoxo, doxoxo. You say, what are you saying up there? Doxology is the word he uses. Praise, magnify God, celebrate God. Say, God, I don't understand this, and Lord, I'm not being flippant about this, but Lord, this is hurting, this is painful, I don't understand it, but all that is within me, God, I say, you are still God, and I still love you, and I trust you. That's glorifying God, okay? Tom Elliff, remember Tom Elliff preached here April 14th at our Global Impact Celebration? Tom Elliff was pastor at First Baptist Church, Dell City, Oklahoma. I had a great ministry there. One day he went home, and his, him and Jeannie, and, and their home was not there. It had literally burned to the ground. Now, here's a pastor. Bad things don't happen to pastors, do they? I mean, we, we just, it's just the easiest life on the, in the planet, right? No. He said, uh, two things came to my mind when I saw my home destroyed, burning, in ashes. He said, the first thing that came to my mind is a quote out of the book of Job. How many of y'all studied Job this morning in your Bible studies? God bless you in your Bible life classes. Wonderful. He said, the Lord gives. Somebody help me. The Lord takes away. Come on. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The second statement he said, it's a little bit comical. He said, I looked at that house. And I said, you know, Jeannie, we had just prayed that God would help us simplify, <laughs> simplify our lives. What a great attitude. Well, what a great response. He, he's actually rejoicing. He's actually glorifying God. And the third thing that Peter says in verse 19 is commit. Boy, this is, this is deep. Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit, entrust. It, it's literally a fiduciary, a, a financial term. It means to deposit in a bank. It's the same word, identical word, that Jesus used in the most horrific time in his life. The Bible says in Luke chapter 23, verse 46, look at it. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit, I commit. I commit my spirit. Having said this, he died. He breathed his last. So Peter is appealing to you as a follower of Christ. He's appealing to me. He is saying, listen, when suffering comes, realize it, recognize it for what it is. It is part and parcel of not only life, but also and especially a part of the Christian life. And let me encourage you to respond this way. Don't get angry at God. Don't shake your fist up at the high heaven and just curse God. Rather, do this. Rejoice. Glorify God and commit. A fresh 
commitment of your life to Him. One writer put it this way, he said, Jesus unhesitatingly entrusted His life to God, certain that God the Father would not fail Him, and so may we. The old advice is still good advice. Trust God and do the right. Trust God and do what's right. So we're looking at the reality of suffering, the biblical proper response to it. And finally, I want to close with some results. What does all this, what does all this look like as we walk through this passage of Scripture? What are we going to look like as we come through the fire, as we come through the travail, the vicissitudes of life, the hardships of life. What does all this look like? Well, well, Peter tells us. He says in verse 13, there is coming a much grander, greater day. If you suffer with Christ, you get to see the glory of Christ. Verse 13 says, don't think it's strange the fiery trial that is trying you as though some strange thing happened to you. Here it is. But rejoice You partake of Christ's suffering, and when His glory is revealed. Now, catch this. That Greek word revealed is apokalypsis. It's where we get the English word, the apocalypse. When Jesus comes again, and He literally is coming again. And if you can believe in zombies and aliens, this is not a stretch, all right? Listen, He really is coming again. Unlike aliens and zombies and wherewithal, Jesus Christ made explicit promises that I'm going to come again. And watch this. And those who suffer with me, now they reign with me. Listen, there is a price to be paid. It doesn't cost you anything to come into the faith, but it costs you everything once you get in. Did you hear that? It didn't cost you anything. You can come to Christ today. You can be saved today. You can give your life to Jesus and on to heaven you can go. It doesn't cost you anything. He did it all. But once you're in, you're all in. You give it all to Christ. He is your life. He is your all. And this is how you can respond to the difficulties of life. So he says, number one, you get to see His glory. You get to reign with Him. I love Romans 8, 16, 17. Well, watch this. Watch this. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. Woo! Come on, here it is. If indeed, look, look at that. He didn't say if maybe perchance, oh my, it might. No, if indeed we suffer with him, woo, we are going to be glorified with him. I don't know what that does to you, but that encourages me. It encourages me to keep the faith. It encourages me to have a deep faith. Peter says, you will reign with him. And then he says, blessed makarioi, are you happy, are you? Because, and he tells us why, the Holy Spirit and the power of God abides on you. And God is glorified in your suffering. This is a result of our suffering. God is glorified. Verse 15. Verse 15 is odd to me. And if it's odd to me, then the oddity is in me and not in the Bible. Have you ever come across something in the Bible and go, that just makes absolutely no sense to me whatsoever? Well, listen, trust God, trust His Word. He doesn't make mistakes. We just, didn't, we just need to study a little harder, okay? I began to understand a little deeper. Pastor Peter turns his attention towards his flock, and he gives us this word. He says, but don't let any of you suffer in the following ways. Don't suffer as a murderer. 
Now, some of you are going, what? Did they have axe murderers running around in the church, chopping people up, killing people in the, in the church? Heaven, help me. Now, remember what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 21, 22. He says, if you're angry with somebody in your, in your speech, you, you've murdered them. <laughs> Hello? There have been some mass killings in this church. I, I'm, t- I'm telling you. If you're angry with somebody and you just stab them to death verbally, Peter says, don't, you don't do that. You're going to suffer, by the way, if you do that. You're going to have a punitive suffering. Number two, he says, let us not be kleptos. You all know that word kleptos, kleptomania? That's where we get this word. It means to steal. And by the way, you can steal some, from somebody much more deeply than their possessions. You can steal their reputation. You can harm them with your words. I think Pastor Peter is on to something here. Number three, he says, let us not do any kind of evil doing. And then number four, he gives a big word, allotrio episcopos. Say that three times real fast, all right? No, I'm just kidding. Allotrio episcopos. The root word is episcopos. It's where we get the English word episcopal, and it literally means... It means to oversee. You get it? Don't be an overseer in other people's business. Now, um, it's also translated a meddler or a busybody. Why would Peter say those things to his church? I'll tell you why he said those things in his church, because they had the same problems that we have. And Peter is he's, he's kind of scolding them. He's, he's rebuking them, saying, listen, some of y'all are suffering for those things, and you should suffer. I mean, that's what you get. Don't do those things. But then he lifts it to a higher plane and says, and now some of you are suffering, and you've not done anything wrong, but you've done everything right. And then this, this last thought I have, it, it, verse 17 is really interesting to me. He, he tells the church, he says, judgment begins first with us. In other words, we are God's people. And we don't need to be busybodies. We don't need to be murdering people with our words. We, we need to be pure and holy people. And, and God, He shapes us, and He is working with us. And listen, we are His children. And if the righteous are scarcely saved, what is the result of those who don't know God? I'm going to go ahead and give you the answer to His rhetorical twofold question. The answer is hell. Okay? The answer is hell. What happens to those who are ungodly? What are going to happen to them? And what happens to those who don't obey the gospel of God? Their destiny is hell. Listen, they chose that. They chose to disobey God. God revealed himself in nature. God revealed himself in their consciences. God revealed himself in history. God revealed himself in magnificent ways. Churches on every corner in the United States of America. And yet most people say, thanks God, but no thanks, I'm going to go to hell. And God says, go ahead. I don't want you to, but that's where you're going to go. But for those of you who serve Jesus, he says, let me lift you up. Endure this. Hang in there, because there's coming a day. What a day that will be when there's going to be a great reversal. Where Christians who were ridiculed, biased against, and the longer I live in this country, the more I'm experiencing this. It's, it's amazing. The more I live in God bless America, the home of the free and the land of the brave, to name the name of Christ today is beginning to cost me something. And it's going to cost you something. Then I hear these words. Then I hear these words.
stanza two. Y'all ready? This is what she said. Once earthly joy I craved, I sought peace and rest. But now thee alone I seek. God, you give me what is best. Mm. Elizabeth Prentice, number three. Let sorrow do its work, sin, grief, and pain. Sweet are thy messengers, sweet is their refrain. Then shall my latest breath whisper thy praise. This be my parting cry, my heart shall raise. This still its prayer shall be, more love to thee. More love to thee, O Christ, more love to thee. If you're here today and you would say, I don't have a faith like that. I don't know God. I, there's never been a time in my life where I yielded myself to Him and I became a follower of Christ. Listen, we invite you to do that. Do what these four did in the baptistry. I mean, they, they're serious. They have accepted Christ and then they went public and they said, I'm going to tell the whole world that I'm a follower of Christ. But please listen to me carefully. I'm not trying to talk you into something. I'm trying to be just straight up honest with you. When you accept Christ, glory to God, you are on your way to heaven. But there's going to be some difficulty. Remember Martin Luther who said, The old devil seek to work me woe. <laughs> W-O-E. And he will work you woe. But I don't know about you, but I'd rather be in the game. You know what I'm saying? I want to be in the game. I want to be serving Christ. Man, when I go to heaven, and by the way, I am going to heaven. I'm, somebody said, preacher, you're going to heaven if you don't run past it first. Now, okay, thank you, but I'm still going, all right? And I, I want to go in, and I want to go in tired, okay? I want to have some blood on me. I want to have some dust on me. I want to be one weary pilgrim. I want to have witnessed to everybody I could possibly witness to. I want to preach the very best that I possibly could preach. And I want to live for Christ and suffer and even die for his name. And then when I open my eyes from death, him I will see and it will be worth it all. It'll be worth it all. All the pain. All the sorrow. All the difficulty. I invite you to come to Christ today. Secondly. If you know Christ, I invite you to stay with the stuff. Stay with the hard teachings of Jesus. Stay with the Bible because what the Bible will do, it will deepen you. You will have these firmly planted roots in the soil of God's Word. Man, we were passing through Yosemite not long ago, and I just, I had a moment. I took a picture of this big old boulder that was leaning on this little bitty tree. And I thought, how in the world? And my sons think I'm kind of crazy. You know, people are walking on this trail, and I'm looking at this tree, you know, like, and this boulder, and I'm taking pictures of it. And it's not pretty. But the reason why I took a picture of it, and if I knew I was going to say this, I would have showed you the picture. In order for that tree to withstand that huge boulder, it better have some deep, deep, help me. That's right. Y'all know what my job is as the pastor at Great Hills Baptist Church. Some of y'all looking at me strange, and I ain't got a clue. What is your job? My job is to give you deep roots. 
deep roots. So when it comes, James, it comes, doesn't it? The pain comes. This is a man sitting up here. He knows about pain. His first wife being killed in an automobile accident, losing a loved one, losing a child. And yet he's been preaching now for many, many years. Didn't say, God, why do you do this? He just said, God, I don't understand. But God, I, I trust you. Deepen your faith in the Lord. And if you're here today and you're one of those brave souls who would say, you know what? I'm in. I want to be a part of this church. This church is just, this church is just thinking hard sometimes. It just, it just gets up in my spiritual grill. I t- it just winds me up and, and I get kind of flustered. And Whoa, that's good. I'm glad you get flustered. Because when you get flustered a little bit and you start working it out, then your roots start going deep. Call me Mr. Flusterer, okay? I can fluster you. So I'm in. How do, I, how do I sign up? How do I join this church? You come on. We'll, we'll help you. We'll show you how. But even when you join, we're going to make it a little hard on you. I'm not. Have y'all ever noticed when we preach, we give the invitation, you never meet people who join right then? You say, yeah, I don't understand that. Because we take them in the back room and beat them up. That's what we do. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we take them in a the back room and we share with them, explain to them what it means to follow Christ. And then we have them go through a mandatory new members class. You say, man, you sure are making that. I had one lady tell me one time, I don't think she's here. Are you here? Good. She said, this church sure does have a lot of rules to join this church. And I was kind. I was kind. I said, God bless you, ma'am. I wanted to say, there's the door. I don't want you to join our church. Because we're going to raise the bar, okay? To be a member. Man, when you walk out that door and people say, do you go to that church? You say, yes, I do. Are you a member of that church? Yes, I am. And it costs me something. But I'm a part of the body of Christ going deep with God. Okay, I, I got to stop. When somebody told me today, they said, Preacher, I got something I need to ask you, and it bothered me. I thought, oh, no. Whenever, when y'all do that to me, it scares me. I, I want to ask you something. I'm like, oh, can you preach for an hour today? I said, I love you. What is your name? You know, hug, hug me. Some of you are going, I don't agree with that at all. I'm ready to go. What time is it? Oh, it's 12.15. 45 minutes is enough, all right? So let's pray and let's do business with the Lord. One-on-one, let's do it. Ready? Bow your heads. We're closing our eyes. Let me say again, God bless you. Thank you for being here. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you can hear the Word of God preached and it can challenge you so that you can get a firm understanding of what Christianity is about. I invite you to choose Christ today. You say, how do I do that? You tell God, say, God, I need you. I am a sinner. You're an awesome Savior. I want you to save me. And God will do it. I promise you he will do it. Then I want you to follow him in baptism. And then come. Join our ranks. I mean, we're not some, something special kind of thing. No, we're, we're just people who are trying to obey God and take God seriously in his word. So, Father, I pray that you would draw those, Lord, that you are drawing to us. I pray, God, for those. I pray that you'd raise them up, Lord, the poor in spirit, the humble, passionate seekers of God, and that you would bring them to be a part of Great Hills Baptist Church. Thank you, Lord, for my church family. Lord, I love this church. I love these people. They are awesome people. And I thank you, Lord. And I think I pray, God, on behalf of our staff, where we say thank you, God, for the privilege 
of being able to lead and to serve such a great people, such a great church. So, Lord, we pray now that you would add to our family and that you would broaden us and deepen us. For this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? We'll have our invitation today. God bless you. Thank you so much. Go ahead and stand.